You pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there something here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Hey, when you go in the grocery store, you see those boxes that are labeled new and improved. What does that mean? Ah, uh, new and improved. You know, they seldom are new and improved. No, it's the same old stuff, just in a new and improved box. But I do want something that's really radically it's new. Really different. Yeah, well, today as we read about the New Covenant, we'll find out just how new the New Covenant is today. On, on More Than Ink. Hey, good morning. This is Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And uh, we're delighted you're with us again. We are we are stepping into, in Hebrews today, uh, I don't know about you, but for me, kind of the uh, pinnacle. Favorite, favorite, yeah, favorite. Yeah, this is a big, <laughs> this is a super big deal today where we're coming to. And uh, and so we're glad you're with us because this paints such, uh, you know, we talked last time or time before about better, 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 you know, mm. better covenant, better hope. And, yeah. I, and I think for a believing Jew, they think, well, what exactly are you talking about, really? Well, well I'm glad you asked, because <laughs> it'll be in, in living color today as we look at Hebrews 8. So hold on to your chairs. This is great stuff. Yeah, and actually, we left off, actually, with the last verse of being verse 6. He has obtained a more excellent ministry yes. by as much as he's a mediator of a better covenant mm. based on better promises. Well, what's yep better about it. So that's what we're going to see as we begin to dig into this passage. And we have so much we want to say, uh, but our words are not the important ones. God's word is. Yeah. So, so <laughs> you know, if you remember, we were talking about Melchizedek last time. Yeah. And uh, and the bottom line question, I think, in most Jews' minds would be, okay, so you've, you've shown to me that Jesus is some kind of high priest. Okay. But not the high priest of the old temple, the old, you know, uh, tabernacle and temple. That can't be right, because that's ironic priest so is there another temple you're talking about i mean what what's jesus role in this new high priest thing it, it hints at something much bigger and that's what he's saying it's a bigger well, better covenant yeah the writer has already told us that there is a bigger more concrete right. real tabernacle real yes. built not with human hands but one that god has built he's already yeah. said that a couple of times and he's going to kind of start unpacking that yeah so in fact last time he said in chapter 8 verse 5 he says you know all this stuff they serve as a copy and shadow of the heavenly right. things so that so what we're living right now and what they were living in the old covenant is a shadow of right. the real thing. Well, today is the real thing. Okay, so that's you know saying that was a shadow is a pretty interesting statement because that was a monumental structure. I mean, the yeah. tent, the tabernacle was was big and and uh, attracted attention. But when they came around to building a temple that was attached to the ground in Solomon's time, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was an imposing structure. How can you say that's a copy and a shadow that's that's a copy and a shadow right. of the bigger deal so in a really in an ironic sense what you saw there in the gigantic temple there built with all that limestone and stuff that was that was the shadow the reality is something in heaven and the reality of the something in heaven that we participate in we participate in with a new high priest not a son of aaron but a new high priest right. and that's jesus and that's the bigger reality that's the bigger reality. The things you see are not so much the bigger reality of things in heaven. So today we step into that, okay, so what's the bigger deal? If we've been talking up till now about shadow, about copies, what's the substance? 
And I think for a Jew too, they'd say, wait a second, I don't know anywhere in the Old Testament where there's a substance more than finding rest coming in the promised land. I mean, that's that's the promise, right? I mean, is there is there something else listed about there being more? I mean, what, what are you talking about, about the fact that there remains a Sabbath rest? No, we came into the land, we're in our rest now. So they're probably wondering, is there anywhere in the Old Testament that even hints at this bigger, more substantial temple and hence nearness of God? Well, the part that pertains to the temple, we're really going to get into next week in chapter yeah. nine, because today we're going to talk about the old covenant and the new covenant. Right. And right. The, the the promise that God made and the agreement to do life on certain terms. Yes. So uh, we probably need to just remind people that a covenant is an agreement, a, a, a contract, an, an agreement to do life yeah. in a particular way in partnership or in a relationship. Together. with someone yeah. when we make a covenant we say i am this for you and you are this for me probably the most familiar covenant to us these days is the marriage covenant yeah. where we literally say that i am for you and you are for me and from agree. this day on we agree yeah. to go forward together in this kind of relationship yeah. and so that's really the core idea of God's covenant with mankind. So there is an old and a new covenant. That's what we're stepping into right now because there's a new priest, a new high priest, Jesus, who's a priest in a temple context that's much larger and more substantial than the shadow of what we've seen up till now. Right. And this covenant is based on better promises. Right. So he's thrown (laughs) down the gauntlet. He says it's a better hope. It's a better covenant. Yeah. Like how much better and how much hopeful, how much more hopeful. Well, let's yeah. find out. So we out. better get into it because let's, there's so much to say here. he puts it out in black and white and it is so stunning. He hardly even comments on it. He just pulls it out of the Old Testament. But says, we there, <laughs> there, take that. So we're coming into, we're coming into Hebrews 8 verse 7. And uh, you want to read for us? Yeah. He's going to, boy, he's going to hit so us with this. So he's just going to, after, after saying there's a better covenant based on better promises. Oh, yeah. Now here Prove we it. are in verse Prove 7. It. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, and now this is a direct quotation direct. from Jeremiah 31. Yes. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Wow. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Yeah, yeah. But just, I wanted to get that whole statement in. You just read all of Jeremiah 31, 31, 31 to 34. 31 to 34. Yep, yep. And and he did too. I mean, he just plunks it out there and says, you want to see what what's more hopeful? Yeah. Check this out. And this is this has been in their Old Testament, you know, their entire generations. This has been sitting there latent, and they've not really quite known what to do with it. And he says, well, you know this new priest in this more substantial covenant? That new covenant is what was mentioned 600 years ago in Jeremiah 31. Okay, but let's talk for a minute about the purpose of a covenant when God makes a covenant with man. What what was the purpose of God making a covenant? It's so that they would live as God's own people. 
right. to represent him to the world. He says to serve as priests to the world. This is uh, in Exodus 19. He says, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, and here it comes, you'll be my treasured possession among all the peoples. You'll be to me a kingdom of priests mm-hmm. and a holy nation. Right. So it's God's purpose to set apart a people to live in his name and represent him to the world. What life looks like to model in right relationship with God. Yeah, to model God's intention for all mankind. And, uh, you know, I always call Israel the, the model nation in terms of like right. when they do development, you have model homes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they represent what the homes will be, what's offered for everybody. When in a sense, Israel was that model nation. It was they were supposed to exist in order to display in in the the, the shoe leather of the day what relationship with God at the right. center was like. Right. And as a result, then for all the nations to come and say, we want to be part of this as well. Right. Which they utterly failed. They didn't do a good to job. To do. <laughs> and and we do too. Yeah. When yeah. we try and live according to the old covenant. Right. Which right. is, you know, we should probably talk about the contrast between the old covenant and the new cuz God said this word here says the first covenant wasn't faultless. Uh, there God finds fault with them cuz they didn't keep it even though he was faithful. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and and in the same sense that this original old covenant uh is a shadow. It's 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 uh, it's not faultless in a sense because it's also not as substantial as the real thing. It was meant to really mimic and to display yeah. in in our reality what it's like to be in relationship with God. But I but as, we'll go back to the Jeremiah thirty one passage. What's what's interesting is you read through the entire thing. There's nothing mentioned there about great houses to live in, great food to eat, great wonderful flowing streams. Doesn't mention any of that kind of circumstance. What we would call you know the best life ever. The, the what's at the core of it is relationship with God. Relationship. That's mm-hmm. the best life It's an ever. issue of the heart. Which is why he's been talking all the way up to this about the nearness of God, the nearness of God, the nearness of God, and going past the curtain, past the veil, into the presence of God. That's where life is found. And mm-hmm. that's that's what this Jeremiah 31 passage says. You want to go back and then we'll just kind of pick out a little well, bit? Well, yeah, I you know... Uh, I've done a lot of study and a lot of teaching comparing the Old and the New Testament or the Old and the New Covenant. And really from where, from as I understand it, it really boils down to three things. The Old Covenant was externally imposed, right? It was, it was given from the outside, written on stone and said, you must do this. Right. And the people said, we will by their own power. But the new covenant is internally implanted, written on our hearts. And God does all the, all the I wills. Right. I will do this in you and I will do this for you. So the contrast really is between something that's externally Applied imposed externally. to something that's internally implanted. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a remarkable difference because there's, there's Charlton Heston playing Moses coming down the <laughs> coming down the mountain carrying the Ten Commandments by the way which are, which are called the tablets of the covenant right right of the old covenant and he's bringing those in and and that's something that's applied to the outside of the Israelites lives right but now he says here in Jeremiah we're going way past that now instead of etching it by the finger of God on stone God's actually going to write it on our hearts, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and symbolically really strongly emphasizing the fact that it won't be something that we apply to our lives, like the laws of, you know, speeding and stuff like that. We don't apply that. There's something that our, that our hearts actually love, that we, that we embrace. It's part of who we are. So the very nature of this covenant is something that's written on our hearts, very internal. That's just a remarkable difference. It is. 
Yeah. It is. And Paul actually unpacks that for us in 2 Corinthians 3. Oh, so I would yeah. say to you listeners, go to 2 Corinthians 3 and read the whole chapter by all means. Mm-hmm. But let me just read to you three verses where Paul says, uh, beginning in verse 3 of chapter 3, uh, this is written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Well, there it is, the better promise. There's our high priest, too. Not that we're adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Mm. So, you know, that's an easy concept to grasp, that something written on stone is cold and dead and distant. Something written on your heart is living and warm and near. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that happens by means of the Spirit. And natural, you know. And natural. when you read New Testament uh, doctrine, you look at this idea of sanctification, where, where God changes our behavior to align with His law, with the things that are important, you know, what goodness is all about. And uh, and that's actually an external evidence, the fact that God is changing our hearts. He's writing His law in our hearts. And so we see this in reality. This mm-hmm. is this is what He does. And this is this is a fulfillment of Jeremiah 31. And he says, you know, the original covenant was he made with the fathers when he took them by the hand. Right. <laughs> led them out of the land of Egypt, you know, and he says, you're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. They said, right. yeah, we want that. We want that. And then in the end, they would not believe his promises for life in the promised yes. land. So re- go back and read Exodus 24. Yeah. Because that is where God, Moses had received the actual 10 words from God, mm-hmm. read them to the people. And then they had this big ratification ceremony yeah. where yeah. they slaughter the animals. They sprinkle the blood and the people say, we will, we, God said it, we'll do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. But they didn't. Uh, But they didn't (laughs) within a matter of days. Yeah. They didn't. And, uh, and in the Jeremiah passage, when you go look at it in the Jeremiah passage, he, he includes a word that's like husbanding. And so he Mm. says that when God brought him, brought Israel out of Egypt, uh, he was a husband to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same picture as during their times, you know, uh, a groom would, would would bring the bride out of the bride's home and into a new house. He says, well, I was doing that with Israel and I was a husband to you. That is, I fulfilled my side of the covenant, my side of the agreement between mm-hmm. the two of us. But you messed up and you flew off. Mm-hmm. And so so that covenant was broken, not because my offer was bad or somehow right. defective, but because you decided to go a different direction, like a new wife well, goes toward another man. And what's fascinating about this to me, this is a, a fresh insight from this last year or so, the point at which in the history of Israel that God makes this promise of a new covenant, mm-hmm. well, that it's written very specifically in Jeremiah and it's reiterated in Ezekiel, but that was at a period of time in their history when the nation was falling to the Babylonians. Yes. 586 BC is when Jerusalem was leveled and what remained of mm-hmm. the of the nation of Israel was carried off to Babylon to yeah. live as exiles. That was 500 something years after David mm-hmm. uh, and long long time after Moses that the they had had all those hundreds of years to walk as God's people and yet they had repeatedly failed, repeatedly turned to other gods, small g. Right. And we might emphasize it wasn't it wasn't a failure to 
accomplish the law. It was a no. wayward heart toward other gods. And actually, it wasn't even a failure to follow through with the ceremonial ritual no. because the temple was still standing and there right, was still right. some semblance right, right. of something going on in there. Yeah. But God says yeah. that all of the heart has drained away. Yeah. And and that's why it's such an operative model of this husband and wife, because it, it wasn't right. as though Israel as a wife didn't do the things a wife should do. It's because she preferred another mate. Right. <laughs> and Israel preferred another mate in their God and chased after the gods of the Babylonians. And God said, great, you want another husband? Go for it. I'll, go, I'll let you have and it. And I'll husband. let you have it and see yeah. how that turns out for and you. And they lived hundreds of years, essentially, well, 70 years for, so- for certain, but for sure. many never came yeah. back yeah. from Babylon. They yeah. stayed because they became acclimated to life with another God. It was a bad trade. (laughs) But that's why, you know, you have this marital covenant. It almost sounds like that in the end of verse verse 10, where he quotes out of Jeremiah, where he says, I will be their God and they Mm -hmm. shall be my people. That sounds very marital. Yep, I will. Yeah, that's the mutual mutual connection. That's the covenant. That's the promise from each. And, uh, And even in that promise, that nearness of God, the interesting thing is the mystery, because of the distance of God in the old covenant, you can't go past the veil and stuff like that, will be completely blown away. And so people won't say to each other, you know, you need to know the Lord because they'll all know me. You know, that that nearness, that presence right. will be universal, and it won't just be for the, you know, the high and mighty religious authorities. For the greatest, it'll be for the smallest too. Right. It, it's just a remarkable thing that everybody in this new covenant has an access to the presence of God and knowing the heart of yeah. God. So not based on merit, not based on age, not based on accomplishment, not based right. on having completed your membership class or got Ooh. your card carrying privileges. <laughs> They shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them firsthand. Because God gives himself. And, and that's why in this new covenant era that we're in, you know, I, I constantly de-emphasize the need for having a religious intermediary in church because mm-hmm. we all have access into the Holy of Holies where God is and we can all know him ourselves without actually relying on someone else to translate for us what that's all about. Our high priest now isn't your pastor your church it's jesus himself and Praise he's made god. our way into the presence of god himself so all of us regardless of our status we all can say i know god because god has has ripped that veil ripped that curtain away opened the way up and said come on in and each one of us from the least to the greatest know who god is mm-hmm. and in that find rest and this pasture land and the fulfillment of this promise from God that started way back before Abraham and was prefigured with Melchizedek, the priest who would make it all happen in Jesus. Yeah. So you're putting that all, packing that all back into the context of the book of Hebrews here. So we actually skipped over something that, I mean, it doesn't show up in the text, but it shows up in the Exodus 24 passage of ratifying the old covenant. Mm -hmm. That is the blood of the sacrifice. And that is a primary difference between the old covenant and the new. Mm -hmm. Under the old covenant, there was the constant sacrificing of animals. Always. Because the life is in the blood. Central. And the blood was required in order to cover the sin mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. but under the new covenant what happens to where's the blood and what mm-hmm. happens to it right jesus said this cup is the blood of the new covenant or the new covenant in my blood right drink right. it right that's, so there again is the external and the internal contrast right and the yeah. sprinkling of the blood under the old covenant the blood gets sprinkled on the altar and then sprinkled on the people uh representing that life that they've agreed to together and it costs your life mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. break it. Whereas Jesus says now in the, under the new covenant, drink 
the blood, which was yes. shocking. shocking. It was an absolute prohibition to drink blood. But the symbol is so powerful that the old covenant was was placed upon you from the external side, but the new covenant becomes you from the inside. Yeah. If you want to look at that yourself, go to Luke 22. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Luke 22 is the upper room where Jesus um, has the Lord's Supper, you know, in the middle of the Passover and stuff. And, and that's that's where he says that stunning phrase mm-hmm. that, that this is the new covenant in, in my, my blood. blood. And so and that word new covenant was not an accidental, you know, drop right. phrase. He's he's quoting from Jeremiah 31, the very passage that the writer of Hebrews is quoting right here. This new covenant is possible through a new blood. Mm-hmm. And that's the blood of our high priest and sacrifice, Jesus. So, you know, when it says a new covenant, that doesn't just mean the next one. It right. means totally new, completely different. Yeah. It's like, you know, you used to drive a Volkswagen. Now I'm going to give you a spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's two completely different and, things. And the first one kind of hints at the second right. one. Right. And but it's incomplete in that sense. It's only hinting as a shadow. It's a right. copy. It's pointing you to that. And right. that's what the old covenant points us to as a substance stuff. In fact, Jesus boy, Jesus dropped hints about this all the time. I had to go back and look it up, but there's that point where he says, you know, you don't take a new piece of cloth and sew it right. into an old piece of cloth, the new stuff will just tear away. So you gotta they gotta be different. Or you or don't you, pour new wine you into don't old wineskin. New wine into old wineskin. So he was doing Doing the new old thing way yep, back there. Yep. You, you can check that out. You can find that in Mark 2 or Matthew 9. I mean, he's saying the very same thing. Something is so radically new that's here now that you don't understand that don't try and merge it with the old because the old is incomplete as a copy and as a shadow, but it's pointing to this newer thing, this new covenant. And then in Luke 22, during the Lord's Supper, he says this blood, that's the new covenant, what I pay for you. Yeah, it's and for the forgiveness of for, your sin. For the forgiveness right? of your sin. Under sins, the old yeah. covenant, that blood never forgave your sin, but it nope. covered. Could make anything sin, clean. Right? Yeah. And the writer of Hebrews is going to get into that in the next couple of chapters. Well, he, the end of this Jeremiah passage, he quotes in verse 12 right. here you know, I'll be merciful toward their iniquities, and I'll, I'll remember, remember their, their sins, sins no more. No more. It sounds like an end of all that blood. Right. Yeah, and it is. Because it is. in Jesus' blood, it is an end of that blood. Once for all, shed yeah. blood, the sacrifice. Yeah, if you if you could go back in time and you could go with the Israelites to, to Jerusalem and see what goes on at the mm. temple, you'd be shocked at the amount of blood. And it's all because of the sinfulness of the people. I mean, that was just the constant reminder mm-hmm. is, that, is that sin brings death. And even at that, all this blood, all this death of these animals isn't really cleansing anyone. It's more of a reminder of that. But in the new covenant, in the new covenant, totally different. That pointed to the solution, and the solution is the blood of Christ. And now he remembers our sins no more. That's how new the new covenant is from the Mm. old covenant. Yeah. So um, we're getting, we, we never read the last verse in our section here. <laughs> well, we read part of it. And speaking of a new yeah, covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what's becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Right, right. And because it's completely fulfilled, satisfied, fulfilled. Yeah. made perfect, nothing yeah. more needs to be added in Christ. Yeah. And I, and, you know, I want to emphasize that this, that this obsolete thing doesn't mean that God made a mistake on the no. first covenant, but he put together something that was a shadow that 
it was a it was a copy and a shadow a representation mm -hmm. of what the real more substantial covenant between man and god is in heaven in that particular sense so here's in fact this word he uses for obsolete that's not a bad translation but it's the same word that gets used when we talk about sowing you know new cloth into old cloth you know you don't want to do that or new wine into old wine it's just gotten worn worn and old mm -hmm. it's it's gotten to the end of its usefulness it's not wrong right. but it only will go so far and it prepares you for what's to come so that's what he's talking about and the, and the new covenant comes the first one you know, it's it's getting sort of worn out is right. what he's saying here and it's growing old and it's getting so worn out it's ready to just evaporate it's been shown to be completely inadequate right because but, it was based on human will and power to do right. what God had said. But it accomplished its role in terms of pointing right. us to the new covenant in the blood of Christ. Which is based on God's will what and God God's does. power what, in yeah. us. What God accomplishes on our behalf rather yeah. than what we try and accomplish for us. And ourselves. the heart of both covenants is the same. I'll be your God and you'll, you'll be, be my, my people. people. Yep. God wants to dwell in the midst of his people. Yeah. So this place of rest that's promised mm. to us is a place of rest in the, in the nearness of in God, the, nearness the, presence the presence of God. of God. And yet the old covenant had that, boy, it had that veil, it had that curtain across mm -hmm. the Holy of Holies, the symbolic place where God lives. And it says, can't come in, can't come in, can't mm -hmm. come in. I'm holy, you're sinful, right. we got a problem here. But Jesus is our forerunner, went into that Holy of Holies on our behalf and sprinkled his blood for us so that we can now join him there in the nearness of God. Jeremiah 31, the new covenant is knowing God. That's just mind blowing. Oh, amen. <laughs> we have nothing more to say. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's interesting. The writer of Hebrews could have dwelt a lot of time commenting on this passage in Jeremiah 31. He pretty much just lays it out there and says, well, there you go. There, there mm -hmm. it is. You've always known it. That was the thing that was to come. That's what he was talking about earlier in chapter four when he says, you know, there, even though Israel is in the promised land, there remains still there remains a, a Sabbath rest, rest a rest coming. rest. A rest rest is still coming. A better hope where we draw near to God. And this is it. This is it right here. So It's a better promise because yeah. it's God's promise, not ours. So in order to amplify the contrast, next time he's going to go in and show us, he's going to walk us into the Old Testament temple mm -hmm. and he's going to show what goes on, and which was a gigantic learning tool for Israel and for us about that, since it's a copy and it's a shadow of the true reality of what it is, this promise from God for nearness and for life and for rest in him. And so next time we'll dial back the time machine. We'll go back and we'll walk through the temple. He'll remind us what goes on there. And in that, we'll start building a greater appreciation for what this real temple, this real substance in heaven is. So you won't want to miss that. It's, it's really, read ahead in chapter nine because he, he does. He takes us on a time tour of the temple and helps us understand and appreciate what Christ has done for us. So anyway, so I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. We, I hope you're as excited as we are. Oh, I, I still have goosebumps. We are so glad you're with us. Come back next week in chapter nine and we'll continue to talk about the marvelous thing about the new covenant as we contrast it with the old. So join us next week on More Than Inc. Than Ink is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. Okay, so that's not so hot. That's, but not, that's not bad. We're, 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 on, a, we're, we're, on, we're on the right track. Mm -hmm. We're on the right track.